visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. I'm Leslie Liao. Coming up this hour, I have Ear to the Ground and Jukebox Republic. But first, we're going to start off, as we always do, with some here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Monday, December 16th. Like I said, I'm Leslie Liao, and joining me in the studio today is Mr. John Van Trieste. Hi there. And Miss Shirley Lin. Hello. On today's dockets, we're going to be talking about the rainbows and butterflies of Taiwan, as well as what did the president serve her Nauruan counterpart. And I got a kooky idea here from the Taipei Mayor Ke Wenze, and uh, well, let's see what he says. Anyway, oh, no. let's get started. This will be interesting. All right, so let's talk about the rainbows and butterflies. Let's talk. Let's start off with a bit of uh, happiness here. What do you want first, the rainbows or the butterflies? Let's go with the rainbows. Okay, um, this is a an article that I'm not sure how we missed. I think it came out about a week ago. Uh, but some of you may know that it, back in 2017, Taiwan had a rainbow that lasted around nine hours and was included last year in the Guinness Book of World Records as the longest rainbow ever recorded, the longest lasting rainbow. I remember that. Uh, okay. I don't think they get to nine hours very often. Um, the conditions there are really great. And right next door to this mountain, practically, is Chinese Culture University. They're in a very beautiful location. It's a popular place on campus to watch the, night, the lights of Taipei from down below. Because yep. they are very much uh, in Taipei, but in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, a professor there got the idea to launch a rainbow forecasting system. Uh, because the campus does have a lot of rainbows. Oh. And uh, it's aimed at helping tourists, meteorologists, and photographers know when and where to find them in the area. Uh, this is atmospheric science professor Zhou Kunxuan, who uh, says that his system is about 85% accurate. And uh, it's just been put up about last a week ago now, uh, or so. And uh, it's called the Rainbow Weather Index. He uses data from the Central Weather Bureau. And the university, too. So they look at precipitation, wind speed, wind direction, and humidity, all important factors in whether you'll get a rainbow or not. Mm. They have um, a few different uh, categories for how likely uh, a rainbow is. There's high, which means a 74% chance or higher. Uh, medium, which is in 63 to 74% chance. And if you're below 63%, you have a pretty low chance, according to his scale there. And... Um, so they've analyzed weather conditions between November 1st of last year and January 31st and found that a rainbow appeared on 23 of those days. In fact, uh, and that sort of, the, sort of was the ground data, the basis of his system. Mm-hmm. And November and January, these months are significant uh, because that is what he says when he says one third of Taiwan's rainbows occur. Who knew? Oh, wow. He calls it the hot season, which is unusual because it's actually the coldest time of year here in Taiwan. But there you go. Um, yeah, he just says that the mountain behind the university, Yangminshan, just has the right formula and for rainbows. And uh, pretty much all the time when you have a high probability there, it's because you've got northeasterly winds. That northeast monsoon is, uh, affects Taiwan's weather pretty strongly during the winter months. And, but also at the same time, you've got, you know, they bring in moisture, but you've also got sunlight at the same time. And in the way it reflects in the mountains is uh, pretty conducive to rainbows. And it keeps them bright for a long time. So, yeah, the, the, compared to your, your typical summer rainbow, which usually happens after an afternoon thunderstorm, a down, downpour, wintertime ones here in Taiwan, because they're caused by seasonal winds instead, last longer. 
So uh, apparently we missed a very good day to see a rainbow. I'm not sure if there was one or not, but Wednesday, a week or two ago, um, had an 87.05% chance of a rainbow. I'm not sure if there was one or not. I didn't bother to look. We got to this article a bit too late, like I said, but it's still interesting. I'm going to have to check this out. I thought that was the uh, the beauty of a rainbow is you can't really predict when they're going to happen. That's what I thought, at least. I feel like meteorologists probably have a pretty good handle on that sort of thing. It could. Um, I had no word on how you get to the gold at the bottom of one, but uh, you know when they're going to appear, you can probably figure out with good, some good accuracy there. I wonder how the betting pool is going to be for uh, another there there forecaster of this. here. Is this another kooky idea? Uh, this is not from Cohen's. This is just me. Okay. This is just me. Yeah, I feel like the the meteorologists would game that system. All right, so that's the rainbows. What about the butterflies? Okay, um, did you know that butterflies can hijack ants into doing their bidding? What? What? Yeah, apparently it's true. Um, And a couple of uh, universities here in Taiwan, National Taiwan Normal University and National Zhongxin University, announced Thursday last week that their research teams with the help of some teams, uh, researchers from Belgium and Japan, have discovered a communication mechanism between ants and butterflies, specifically species of ants and butterflies that uh, live in Taiwan. They're pretty common here. Um, so they have uh, about, it looks like four Taiwanese researchers were on this multinational team, and they solved a long-standing scientific puzzle, according to this article from the Taiwan News. Uh, incidentally, the results are already published, it looks like. December 6th is when they came out in an international publication called Scientific Reports, which... Sounds, does, sounds like it pretty much does what it says. There's reports about science in it. Um, yeah, they what they do, uh, these particular butterflies, is that they co-opt ants into giving free child care. I wish humans could figure out how to do that. <laughs> wow. They make them think that their caterpillars are ant offspring by somehow mimicking a queen ant. They produce vibrational calls at frequencies humans cannot hear. And there are three types of them, apparently. They say that the findings are about larvae of Southeast Asian butterflies, but that this Southeast Asian butterfly, and I'm going to butcher this Latin name, Crematogaster roganhoferi. You said it perfectly uh, that's, fine that's, to me. That's the ant, I'm sorry. Spindasis siama butterfly uh, apparently is found in Taiwan as well. Mm-hmm. And they take these host ants and make them think that their caterpillars are baby ants, or they mimic a queen. Yeah. Um, the research says that these signals, of course, cannot be heard by human ears. You have to be Ant Man to do that, I suppose. Uh, I That's his, that must be Ant Man's like major Achilles' his heel, his flaw. <laughs> Curse can't you! Resist butterfly calls. <laughs> so maybe not as ha- happy and fun as we thought. But uh, that's very interesting. Mind control butterflies, but there you go. Taiwanese researchers helped figure this out. Taiwan is also known as the kingdom of butterflies. They I do believe. say yes, that. That's among the things. We're also called the kingdom of fruit. I, mm-hmm. I can vouch for uh, fruit the kingdom more than of I can for butterfly. Um, apparently. But uh, mind controlling ones, especially. Yeah, I'll be careful out there, Watch especially butterflies. if you're prone to ant tendencies. All right, Shirley, so talk about, tell us about what the president served uh, her Nauruan counterpart. This is very interesting. Well, this, as of uh, this report, which came out on Friday, um, our president, President Tsai Ing-wen, was serving um, stinky tofu. That's but one way first... to get rid of an ally. <laughs> that is one no, 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 way. He'll no, be no, running across him. the strait. No, actually, to attract him. Um, uh, he said, she said that it's actually the first time in 100 years that this stinky dish has ever been served 
in the presidential office building. Likely um, for good reason. <laughs> I know. I'm sure that's hard to get and out. You know what? She said that actually it's the milder version of the um, stinky tofu. <laughs> she was saying she was telling the Nauruan president that when you go to the night market, if you think which this is bad, he was going to visit. <laughs> go to the night he market. He would have the real version, you know, of it. The first and, time I was um, in Taiwan, I was wondering why all the sewers seemed to not work, and it <laughs> took me a while to figure out that that, that those weren't that sewers. Was, no. I was just the tofu. I, I, I don't actually mind it anymore. Like I can eat it; it's fine. But I feel like at a state dinner, for an ally that you want to keep on your side, that may not be. Yeah, what did the, the Nauruan president choice? say? What? Well, do? first of all, though, the president, the Nauruan president, actually visited Taiwan back in September, just only three months ago. But it was only like a and brief, like transfer brief, flight, it exactly. Wasn't and like so, a stopover. Um, he and our president start got talking about sticky tofu. So then he said, oh, wow, I'm looking forward to having this dish when I come again. He said and jokingly. Now, yeah. And now, and surprise. So, surprise, you know. So um, um, so she decided to serve this dish at the state banquet. Now, um, it's funny because um, basically the Nauruan president, after tasting the dish, he says that, well, this sticky tofu has definitely strengthened our the relationship between the two countries just a little bit more, you know. Mm. And, um, and then... After he heard, you know, our president Tsai Ing-wen said that, well, the real version is not until you go to the night market, he said he was kind of worried and scared. <laughs> but then he says that, hey, what's a state, uh, what's a head, what, wait, what's a state, what's a head, head of state, head of state uh, doing if he doesn't do a bit of a sacrifice? <laughs> so, but um, it's, Picking one for the team. Yeah. So anyway, he kept thinking about this dish and, you know, just couldn't get it off his head after they talked about this. So I guess he's I'm changed sure his mind that, now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I was thinking that I, I, at first I thought that, wow, you know, President Tsai Woman, at least Tsai Woman has really researched into, you know, now ruined cuisine to mm. figure out that if they're going to like this kind of thing. I don't know that they did. But um, <laughs> yeah, so... I don't know. I mean, none of us has ever tried real Nauruan cuisine. I mean, um, maybe there is something just as bizarre and, I don't know, flavorful as Flavorful is a very nice way of putting it. <laughs> right? Actually, it doesn't have that much flavor, which is the surprising thing about it. It's more, it's in the it's aroma. It's just the scent that it was really yeah. very yeah. overpowering. And that's uh, something that uh, surprised me a bit. It's not, once you have it, you know. Mm-hmm. I always say stinky tofu comes in three levels when I'm introducing it. The first level is fried. And that's like okay. Yes. Fried. That's okay. And there's yeah. the grilled, which is... Oh, grilled. Okay. That's okay, too. That's even milder than the, the, the deep fried. And then there's and the then kind there's you smell the, from miles yeah. away. Yeah. The, the pungent ones. The most pungent one is the one that are like stewed braised, and steamed. Stewed and braised. Steamed. Yeah, whatever. You oh, could smell that. That will clean out a room. Like, I enjoy stinky tofu, but like that is the only time I've ever been like, this is... A little overwhelming. Do you like it served with a mala, a sort of hot and spicy red sauce? Um, I feel like that I, sort of defeats the purpose because you now you just taste like... It, the tofu has a tendency, no matter stinky or otherwise, to absorb whatever it's in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sort of defeats the purpose of stinky tofu because it's not... It's overpowered by hot and spicy the, the hot sort and of spicy? Sichuan flavors instead. Well, you know, I don't actually take spicy food that well, but when it comes to steamed, stinky... I mean, spicy... What is it? Braised stinky tofu? They're good. I think they just the it's, spiciness and the stinkiness kind of go together. I mean, it's so yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, um, I just think that there may have been some more gentle introductions to the things that we like to eat here. 
Um, yeah. Well, no wonder it's a, why. Definitely, I would call that a crash course. Right. No wonder why. A crash Chinese. second course, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so no wonder we have to have serve the uh, the mild version of the Stinky Tofu at the presidential office well, building because it's an want, old building. The, that wood is going to soak up the favor. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Like there probably is a reason that they don't serve. That's like you know durian. It just hangs yeah. around. Oh durian. Oh yeah. It just hangs around. There's no yeah. amount of window like opening or vacuuming <laughs> that'll it's, take. It's, you have to just that replace out. the furnishings. Well, honestly speaking, if you're the head of state of any country, I mean, what would you want to be served? Like that's a local dish, a local Taiwanese dish at a state banquet. Other than singing tofu, I feel like most of our dishes that are are, are sort of uh, the best of aren't really the sorts of fancy things you would associate with a state banquet. Maybe, mm. but no, but you know, but you can also make it more a state like dish <laughs> with a local dish, just kind of like served with a hollandaise uh, sauce yeah. and a garnish of yeah, with the yeah, with some decorations or yeah, whatever. Yeah, there you go. Uladzin, <laughs> yeah. uh, our Oyster oh. pancakes. I was just thinking about that. Are not very that I really nice. like oysters myself. But. Very nice. Well, I'm not a fan either it's, so much, but yeah. I like the, I like them in pancake form. They're not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other good ones? Some good Taiwanese food. Bawan. Bawan. Which is like the um, how would I, what would how to describe it? Hold so off like on a, the garlic though. Some of them, some oh, places can go a little bit overboard. It's with that. Yeah, like I, a I usually, it's a glutinous meatball. Glutinous. I think. Paste well, on the, the meatballs on the inside. The yeah, yeah. Meat on the filling. outside is sort of a shell made potato. of rice, sort of paste, yeah, or starchy, yeah. Yeah. and Stretchy. it's served with an extremely garlicky sauce on top. Is um, it, right. Sometimes those those sauces are like bright orange. I, I like yeah. it with cilantro. Cilantro, mm, yeah. yes. Um, let's That's see. A good I think the dessert course is probably the easiest thing if you want to do it Taiwanese style. Oh yeah. Almond tofu, that's my favorite dessert. Um, oh, you're talking about shaved ice? I feel like, really, though, you could make a feast just out of fried rice here. That's my favorite You thing. really could. Oh, I okay. feel like that we do that really well. Yeah. All right. So. You have to get the ones from Ding Tai Fong. Well, you oh. know... A bright yellow and green color. A diplomatic relationship that can survive stinky tofu. That's a relationship that hopefully That'll is meant to last. last. It's durable. Oh, yeah. This... You've been, our relation is as strong as this smell. <laughs> you have passed the stinky tofu test. <laughs> All right, guys. So our mayor, Kowenza, he's many things. He's a doctor. He's our mayor. And he's quite outspoken. He recently committed to a 2024 run. You guys know about that. But get this, he says that the harbor town of Jilong should be part of Taipei City. Oh, right. He said the two should merge and um, be- if it wants to improve in development. Now, people at first were kind of like, what? Because he's talking about Taipei and uh, Jilong. He didn't even get into the fact that surrounding Taipei City is new Taipei, Taipei. City. They're right. sort of isolated from one another. Yeah. Well, they could merge all three. And I really hope that at least the trash bag area, I think they actually started doing that. Mm-hmm. They do, because you have to, like, buy your municipality's trash bags. And yeah. if you live near the border, that's, that's frustrating because you, you can't get the ones from where you live. Is that well, – were you I dealing think, with that, struggling yes. with that? I had all these trash bags and I moved and then I couldn't use them anymore. And they'd be just – they've been sitting there for, like, five years. Well, I'll just give them to, you know um, – Sorry, I I've put a trash bag decoration here. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. What are some of the other practical issues that this municipal unification well, would entail? Well, the thing is – um, you think people would go like, huh? But the Geelong mayor came out and said, you know what? 
let's do a John Van Trieste and let's merge Taipei City, New Taipei City, and Geelong all together. Never mind the fact that he's going to be out of a job if this happens. We can run against them. Oh, yeah, that too, right? It can be a showdown. To me, it would just be like fight to the death. Well, well, that would create an enormous metropolitan area. Uh-huh. Huge. Because New Taipei is, uh, they call it a city, but like large parts of it are rural. And then mm. large parts of it, I think it's the most populous municipality in Taiwan, more than Taipei itself. Yeah, every, every election, there's always like, th- I think like 5 million votes coming, or like 3 million votes coming out of New Taipei it's, City. It's a big... It's a big It's very, very so huge. So if they all merge, it's going to be mono huge. and gigantic. We interviewed... Um, uh, Taipei Mayor Hoyo Yi once uh, back in the day, and he was complaining that Taipei City, New Taipei City, is about two or three times the size of Taipei City, but the central government budget is not as high as Taipei City. Um, so he's okay. complaining about that. Well, uh-huh. I think it would ease things like, uh, for instance, public transport, mm. because like, aren't there like three different like metro authorities, but they all are kind of on the same system? It's yeah. very confusing. I don't know how they coordinate all of that because they're all eventually supposed to connect together, right? Yeah. Well, my we guess could just join Taoyuan while we're at it. That's where our airport is, and that's we could just have a mega city. We could just have a gigantic northern Taiwan would just become one giant. One so we just become Taipei, which makes it a lot more convenient. Well, my guess why Taipei Mayor Cohen wants to include Xilong is because of the harbor port. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to be the main reason. I mean, I don't see what else Xilong has to offer besides its. Big, you know, international port. <laughs> I don't see what else they have to offer. <laughs> Be careful, they Shirley. Have a, <laughs> they have a huge, uh, they have a huge night market down there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It's popular. I haven't been there in ages. That's about all I can think. See, of. <laughs> see. They have rain. They they do. They just call often called the rainy harbor. Uh, so if, if we need rain water, we can maybe he wants to get. More for our reservoirs or something. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting if this happens. Like, I did not think the deep, uh, the mayor of Jilong would be like, yeah, let's, let's, you know what, let's take it a step further. Let's go one, two, and three. And, um, oh man, we could all be part of this mega structure in the I future, like, you guys. Yeah, instead of having three different departments within a couple of miles that change over as you go from one to the other, because there are some places where, like, the borders are kind of close. Yeah. Uh, well, it would be a lot easier to just have one department to cover the whole thing. Yeah, Jilong by itself, it's small, you know. It is quite small. It's small. It is quite so, small. And yeah. people already referred to it as if it were, like, a, a combined entity, right? We call it Beibeiji, which is... That's what they do with, like, school closings when there's a typhoon. Yeah. They call it Beibeiji, which is Taipei, New Taipei, and Jilong, so... And the two places are so close together that they might as well be part of the same... Like, Pete, remember... Um, Earlier this year, there was a typhoon. Or was it last year? There was a typhoon, and New Taipei City and Geelong had a typhoon day. Taipei City did not, and that created all sorts of havoc. But you know what? If they do that, we're going to all have to like change all of our ID cards and our addresses and everything. That's going to be a huge that's, pain. Never mind. Forget administrative it. Administrative costs. I don't want to deal with any of that. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have for here in Taiwan. Thank you for joining us once again. Up next is uh, Ear to the Ground and Jukebox Republic for Taiwan Insider. I'm Leslie Liao. It's called here in Taiwan, Leslie. Or I know I you're used to it. <laughs> Taiwan Insider. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, wait. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. I'm John Van Trieste. Either in way. Taiwan. Oh and I'm Shirley Lin. Uh, that, that was here in Taiwan. At least Don't say go Juice away, Box you guys. Republic. <laughs> did, did, has uh, that happened before? I, I did once. Okay. <laughs> Thank you.
first thing you notice when you arrive in Amman, the capital of Jordan, is that all of the buildings have limestone facades. That's where the city gets its nickname, the White City. Now, recently I found myself alone in Amman for a couple of days, and I, I enjoyed visiting the Royal Car Museum and walking through the streets. But on my last night in town, just hours before my flight, I got completely and utterly lost. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, I'm alone in Amman. 贴紧台湾的羊耳朵 an ear to the ground. It's about four o'clock in the afternoon. With only a couple of hours left before I need to head to the airport, I venture in the direction of Jabal Amman. Near the old downtown district of Amman, I have three missions. One is buy some stamps and mail some postcards. Two is to check out the old citadel in the Roman amphitheater, and three grab a bite to eat at a little cafe in an artsy part of town known as Rainbow Street. I managed to find the post office. It's a completely empty building where you actually cancel your own stamps before depositing your postcards through a slot. The Roman ruins, though, it turns out, are already closed because the sun's about to set. I can only peek in at the old amphitheater from outside the gate. I decide to check out the nearby market instead. Fruit and vegetable vendors hawk their goods while some final late afternoon customers weave their way through the market. Nearby, a CD shop sells some of the latest and hottest Arabic pop music in the Middle East. Traffic begins to pick up as the sun threatens to dip below the horizon. I find myself at a crowded intersection and realize I'm not quite sure how to navigate my way across the slowly flowing river of traffic. Rush hour in downtown Amman. I finally make it to the other side and begin to climb what I think is the right hill. It's hard to tell though because Amman was built on seven hills, and somehow nothing I see corresponds to my map. When I reach the top, I realize a little bit too late that I'm on the wrong hill. I stop and ask a young man for directions. He struggles a bit with English at first, and then leads me to a friend of his named Faisal, who brings me to his house. It turns out that Faisal's grandfather actually owned the mountain. Just as the sun is setting, he leads me out onto the deck next to his house, introduces me to his father, and brings me a glass of freshly squeezed orange juice. We chat for a while, and later his father heads to the mosque to pray, and Faisal and I. Watch the last rays of sunlight disappear over the opposite hill, and listen as the call to prayer, the Adan, begins. It's an amazing setting. The sound of the Adan, and we have this amazing view of almost all of the downtown area. Below us, the lights flicker on at the Amman City Hall and the new Performing Arts Center. Faisal points out the sights, and we talk about his country. He's immensely proud. 
and he should be too. He jokes that the Jordanians often have frowns on their faces, but that they're nice deep down inside. And that's been my experience. While the average person on the street can have somewhat of a gruff demeanor, everyone I chat with has been friendly, welcoming, proud of their country, and eager to help. And that's what I'll remember about the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan for years to come. Once the sky is pitch black, the local mosque begins to broadcast the sound of another lone voice ringing out into the night. Faisal helps me hail a cab, and I bid him farewell before speeding off across the city. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. You've just tuned into Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. That's not just a rapper from the West. This is a song by Xie Jingyan, Jeannie Xie. Well, it's almost that time of year for year-end parties and concerts. So people are used to always looking forward to seeing Jeannie Xie, her year-end concerts. But this year, it seems that they're kind of tired of her, which got her kind of upset. So she scrambled to respond on her Instagram. I'll tell you all about it after this first song. It's called "I Need La."
Well, Jeannie wasn't always、uh, used to singing techno music, but she、um, she has been lately for the last few years, and that has gotten her very popular. Anyway, so yes, I'm talking about Jeannie Xie, who's going to be giving、uh, an ear end concert, like、uh, always for I don't know how many years now.、Um, she's sort of like uh, the uh, epitome of、um, ear end concerts. But lately, there's been voices online saying that, "Oh, it's going to be her again, and is she going to be singing the same songs again?" And she's getting a little, yeah, monotonous. Well, first of all, I want to talk about these year-end concerts. Now, different cities、um, throughout Taiwan hold their own year-end concerts. Taoyuan City is definitely having one because Jeannie is invited to be the main guest there. Taipei always has its own because it's right where Taipei One Hundred One is, where they have the year-end final countdown fireworks. Now, sometimes one celebrity might be invited to perform at more than one of these events. So imagine them traveling from north to south or south to north, and without a bad traffic around, you know, year end. Oftentimes they would be late, and the concerts would be delayed. But they learn to be smart, so they have backup guests to perform when that happens. But、uh, really,、um, they they sure make big bucks. Like Jeannie Xie, and you know, but all that traveling and sleepless nights to the extent of ruining their health—I don't know if that's all worth it. But we seem to look forward to that, don't we?、Um, anyway, so Jeannie got upset with all those voices, you know, saying like、um, she's someone of the past. But、uh, she wrote saying that she always racks her brain thinking of new ideas to surprise her audience. She said that she's even gotten sick in her stomach from thinking so hard. For the past concerts, she's come up with a whole line of、um, different、uh, surprises and ideas. Like、uh, one time, she、uh, came out. She and her dancers came out with these、uh, mini sand motorbikes、uh, on stage. Yeah, on stage. And, and then another time, she was out with like flashy helmets,、uh, still riding motorbikes, I guess. And then another time with these oversized helmets on her and the dancers. And then there was also another time when she was like riding these heavy motorcycles on on stage. I wonder if it's all because the same sponsors. Anyway, not only that, she comes up with these flashy costumes. You know,、um, some I mean, showing her legs. She's got beautiful legs, beautiful long legs, and 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 these you know incredible hairdos and makeup. And also, she dances. You know, while she sings on stage with her dancers, and the concerts have always been outdoors, so it could be rainy, it could be cold, it could be windy, but she's always there. You know, just really in high spirits and everything, doing her best.、Um, she's actually quite popular because she said that even Gaoxiong, Hong Kong, and China have asked her to perform there、uh, in the future someday. Other people have complained that oh, it's Jeannie again with her same songs. But to her, she says, "What's a year-end concert,、oh, you know, like without the same old groovy songs?" And that kind of makes sense. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing her perform this year. Well, let's have two more songs here before I talk more about her. She's known, very well known, for that one year when she came up with the song "B B B." Okay, it's like. Blowing on a whistle, B B B. So let's have that song as well as 热情 cha cha. The beat, the beat, so the party has gone. 
想想，阮就是阴暗的主角。热情的恰恰，热情烈如火。Oh baby baby， 情话轻轻说。热情的傻瓜，爱的笑话多。Oh baby， 跟着感觉走。热情的恰恰恰恰，想要个主宰。热情恰恰，越跳就越爱。热情恰恰。On Google, I realized that she just had a, a major face makeover. She doesn't look like her anymore.、Um, I, I don't know what I think about that. I'm not sure if I like that. But she's definitely a well sought after model for、um, you know these fashion shows, even like in Europe, in Paris, London, and all that. And because she's beautiful, and、uh, you'll be surprised to know that actually her father. Was someone not good looking at all?、Um, the late、uh, Zhuge Liang, yeah, he passed away. Basically,、um, they were not on good terms for a very, very, very long time.、Um, basically, the father used to gamble a lot 
But later, uh, after some years of hiding, um, he came back with the help of some friends back to the entertainment scene. Uh, he had his own TV show and everything. Um, so he wanted to, you know, reconcile with her, but she was not very willing, and uh, it turned uh, the whole thing turned sour, and he was kind of upset actually. Um, for some time, um, not very nice kind of news were you know was um, going around about them. And anyway, um, she finally uh, uh, decided to reconcile with him, and this was just before he passed away. I think he died of um, colorectal cancer. And um, anyway, she's had a tough life. Uh, actually, she had a major, major car accident with her sister when she was younger. And um, for some reason, the father, well, she blamed the father for not taking good care of them, caring about them. And so that's when their relationship went sour. But uh, anyway, um, they reconciled um, just before he died. It was a very serious car accident she was in, she and her sister. But amazingly, that uh, she doesn't have any scars on her. Um, in fact, uh, she's beautiful. And she's got these amazingly beautiful long legs, you know. And that's kind of like the, um, the, um, the, the attractive point about her um, when she's on stage. Um, anyway, so something else about her, though, is that she has a son out of wedlock. And... It's uh, interesting because she kept it a secret for a very, very, very long time. And it was some time back when uh, somehow the, you know, the secret got revealed. But she never told the public who the father is. Anyway, well, um, we're certainly looking forward to Jeannie's great performance in concert uh, at year end in, in Taoyuan, that is. But I wish her all the best and um, just can't wait to be surprised as she always does, and coming up with uh, amazing dance steps and uh, props and costumes, everything. Well, that's it for Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, and here's another song by Jinny Xie. It's called Getting Drunk for You Tonight. Here we go! 
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. 
Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.